You're listening to the Simple Growth Podcast, the show that helps business owners get their life back. Here's your host, Mike Callahan. Welcome back to the SA Weekly Talk Show. Mike Callahan here with uh, co-host Cody Owen and special guest Martha Woodward. Uh, just before we came on live, talking about redecorating the office, standing desks, and gaming chairs. Um, and possibly some uh, some decks of Dungeons and Dragons new releases coming out. So uh, all things just absolute chaos here in the SA world today. Uh, but really excited to have Martha on talking about company culture, employee problems, and managing quality. And we know Martha is the queen of quality. So Martha, thanks for uh, joining us here. Um, if people don't know who you are or haven't heard of you, if you could just give a quick intro of how you cut your teeth in the cleaning industry and then um, evolved into uh, starting and owning quality driven measuring what matters. Um, I know myself and a lot of the service autopilot users are using quality driven in their service businesses to get real time results um, for far as quality feedback for their employees amongst a whole lot of other things, um, including it sounds like a new HR uh, feature that you released uh, recently or about to. So um, yeah. yours, yours, Martha. All right. Well, um, Martha Woodward, I own a maid service in Oklahoma, but I live in Kansas, so I have to manage everything remotely. Um, how I got started was I watched an infomercial about saving money on taxes by opening a business. And at the time I was working for a corporate chain hospital for 20 plus years in therapy. And I thought, I'll open a maid service. I have no idea what I was thinking, but uh, I just knew I liked a clean house and I was having trouble finding somebody. So there you go. It was all about saving money on taxes. And then uh, I found out that it was really painful to run a service business and managing those employees was nothing like managing the therapists that were in my department at the hospital. So after pain and suffering, I just tried to come up with some ways to solve things. And one of them was tracking quality and having a way to manage it. And I didn't have the software that did the, what I wanted it to do. So hence quality driven. Um, and then through quality driven, I've started helping other people get a culture where it doesn't require so much thumbs on people all the time that you build a culture where people just do what they're supposed to do, which is a wonderful feeling. So there you go. That's awesome. me. So managing physical therapy to looking for a tax write-off, getting into the maid service, and then actually starting a software company. So I don't know if there's much you haven't done. Uh, I know I've been blessed to know you for about five, six years. Uh, in the service autopilot ecosystem. Uh, we were probably the uh, the two original uh, certified advisors over at service autopilot, uh, kind of cutting our teeth there. And I know we've kind of come up through the ranks and had the pleasure of speaking at uh, several of your quality driven software conferences, starting at uh, humble beginnings in Oklahoma, all the way to San Diego. And then uh, last year uh, being able to be present there in uh, Savannah. So it's been really fun to watch the progression and the evolution of not only your cleaning business, but quality driven as well and how you're helping service business owners, not only in home cleaning, but uh, as well as lawn care, uh, lawn care pest control um, and pretty much any type of service business. So 
along a service business, uh, one of the biggest things that I found at my lawn care company, Callahan's, that as we started to break that million mark and start to go well beyond, company culture either fell apart of what we thought maybe it was, but it didn't really exist. So um, I know right now uh, you're doing a lot of content, helping a lot of people building culture in their service mm -hmm. business. So um, would you mind kind of diving in? What, I guess, first of all, what is company culture in how do we go out and actually evolve into it and then reinforce it through our workforce? Um, and I'm assuming maybe it's some mission, vision, values, or is there another approach that you guys are taking um, in the way you actually implement culture? So everybody has a culture. It just not might not be the one you want. And, uh, you know, I work with maid services, lawn care, window cleaning, and even, even like some VA services and, Megan with likes accounting, everybody has a culture. Everybody has a different approach to it. And what I see is here's the thing. We all might think that people should just do their damn job. I mean, that's the bottom line. That's a way, that's a way that most of us feel, but if you actually have that kind of culture, it doesn't usually work. And uh, I've worked with many people who actually say something very similar to that. And what I say back is, well, how's that working for you? Probably not great. And so um, really when I talk to people about culture, we start with the very beginning and the basics on, you know, your policies. Do you actually follow your policies? And if you don't, why that's so toxic to your culture because nobody can trust what you say. It's like a parent threatening things that never does follow through. Um, and then, you know, we, we work on quality management. We work on, it's really a lot about fixing what you as owner and management can do to get better results with the employees you have or the employees you want to keep because that's what a lot of people find is that one of the reasons that things don't work is maybe they're not quite as particular about, enough about who they keep. Um, and I know that's a hard thing because it's hard to find people, but it's interesting, Martha. So I guess one thing not to cut you about it, I want to hit on it before I forget it is, yes, right now, obviously, um, middle of COVID or kind of as we're going on the uh, what we call it the $600 a month uh, unemployment bonus weekly uh, is pretty much been eliminated from what I understand, or there's some talks around it uh, as the video is here. So like, theoretically, that labor market is opening up, we should have an influx of people wanting to work in our service business. Um, but there was two things as, as we're going out and hopefully getting these applicants that are going to start coming in. Um, you said internally, if we already have employees, we really need to enforce the policies and procedures we already have. So I know one of the biggest issues, at least in my service business, definitely not at a pedestal here uh, preaching by any means, but a big issue that we used to always have was no call, no and show no call, no show employees. I don't care mm -hmm. if it's cleaning um, or, or lawn care, that, that, that's going to happen. Um, but a lot of times as business owners, at least myself in the early days, I was really, um, I was nervous to really reinforce the rules that were around that because what if I tell this person to go home the next day, if, if you don't call no show, you don't, you're not working the next day. I don't care. 
Um, and there may be some repercussions as far as bonus or pay structure. Um, obviously, if it's inside your handbook and it's on the up and up, but um, I, I guess what would be your advice and your thoughts around that? Like if you're a business owner right now and you're scared, like I've got just enough cleaners to clean or I got enough people just to mow the lawns I've got to mow, how can I reinforce that? Because really my employees are, are, are in the power position right now. Is there a way to tackle that? Well, you have to be willing to, and you're absolutely taking the risk. Like you say, I mean, I was there too. My attendance policy, I had policies written, but the true policy was roll call. Oh, check. She showed up. Check. She showed up. I mean, that was my real policy and they were absolutely calling the shots. And at the time, like I say, I probably had the same attendance policy I have now, but I absolutely did not enforce it. Mm -hmm. And so what happens when you do that is everybody knows. And again, I'll go back to kids. You know, if you threaten kids and there are no repercussion, then they're going to keep doing the same thing over and over. And, yeah. you know, it's just like a vicious cycle. Um, but it is, it's scary. But here's the thing that you probably don't know you're doing if you do that is if you get quote good people, if you get people who really will follow the rules, follow the policies and are there to better themselves in the company, you're going to run those people off because they see you put your head in the sand and just like have the wild, wild west. And they're the ones because they're reliable. They're the ones that really are the ones suffering and they'll leave you, you know? So it is scary. And, you know, I always talk about, you're going to have some sacrificial lambs for people to believe you. And I remember when I had that aha moment, like you did, Mike, where I was like, you know, if I don't do this, this will never change. And so when I first started actually enforcing the policies, it took a few for people to be like, Oh, okay. You know, something changed around here. And uh, I actually did set them down and tell them, you know, that things were changing and I'm sure nobody believed me, but I had drawn the line in the sand and I eventually made them believe me. So that's, I mean, that's interesting. And, and, and if you're watching this, um, obviously Martha and I 20 plus years in the service industry each, I mean, these are things that, that, that are very common. I know as an entrepreneur, you feel lonely on this Island and you're the only one going through this, but you're not. And Martha, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, very common, same thing. We kind of sat down and we used to let them go. And I was like, why am I losing all my best guys and girls on my crew? They're leaving and I'm just stuck with the mediocre C players and they're sticking around and it just started to perpetuate itself. So yeah. just like you, I, I mean, if you're struggling with this, you really, in my opinion, I think Martha's opinion as well is you need to sit down, let them know, Hey, things are changing starting Monday. And the first person you don't want, and I, I told the guys, like, you don't want to be that person that I make an example of, because if you come in late or you don't show up, you're out of here. Um, and I remember we were at nine or 10 crews at that point. And at that point I really was not anywhere near jumping on a truck or anything, but the people that suffered were the best employees. And I realized that actually when I had that aha moment and it, I actually jumped on the crew that day, I said, you know, Dave or Joe, whatever, right in front of me, you're done. 
no call, no show on Friday. Um, and Hey, to the really good crew leader, I got, I'm going to jump on the truck with you. So you don't have to go solo today. Right. Um, but that it started to, but you're right. It took four or five individuals to really hone it in. Cause they thought, well, he might be serious this week, but, um, you know, that that's, you know, he's probably not going to stick through it, but when you do that, 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 that culture starts to change. Um, and it, it makes me think about, as we talk about this, Martha, um, once you kind of establish that culture, you're starting to stick into your guns. How do you handle employee problems? Um, and, and maybe there's an escalation of type to problems, like maybe just something minor or something um, totally unacceptable. Maybe um, somebody in the lawn care crew or the cleaning crew actually like theft in someone's home from the outside or the inside. Like, yeah. is there an elevation of certain problems and how do we deal with problems based on kind of probably a sliding scale I'm imagining, or if there's a different approach, feel free to, you know, let us know how you handle it. So we have, um, we have a few non-negotiables in our company, like non-negotiables as in you will be fired on the spot. One is no call, no show. If you are a no call, no show, uh, in this day and age, don't tell me you cannot get a hold of us. <laughs> you know, uh, the only thing, you know, if you're on the side of the road and you can prove it, you know, like end up in the hospital. Okay. But, uh, you know, it's not, we, we don't say that, but there's no reason to have a no call, no show, unless it's something extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, and if you and, are in the hospital, we'll come visit you. Just let us yeah, know. <laughs> yeah. And, and you've got three days to get back. No. Uh, but then uh, theft, if we can prove that you stole something, of course you're out of there. And uh, so, but then everything else we have a disciplinary system for, and it is, I actually have it on the wall. So there's a big old flow sheet, you know, ceiling to floor that says basically first offense is verbal warning. Second offense is a written warning. And then if they have a third offense within 30 days, they go into probation and a new timer starts and I have this, I, I don't know. It's complicated to explain. I get it. They, we get it. But, uh, I actually will walk them over to there and show them where they're at because I, while I really believe in processes and, and following, you know, this disciplinary system, I also very much believe in never surprising somebody like no one ever should be surprised in my company when they're let go. And, you know, every step of the way we tell them, here's where you're at. And if this happens again within this amount of time, this is the next consequence. And, you know, it, it works pretty smoothly as long as, you know, what I love about that is there's no favoritism. I mean, I've literally said those darn policies. Well, then this is where you're at, you know, and then I'll go, Oh yeah, I wrote the policy, but I mean, I don't care how much I like you. That's where you're at. And it takes the subjective part away and it's objective, consistent and fair. 
and you're setting expectations from the outset that mm -hmm. this is how everybody gets treated. Everybody knows going in, these are the rules, these are the consequences. No one can, I mean, just like you said, no one can feel surprised about it. Right, right. And you know, sometimes we hire the wrong person and most of the time we get rid of them in training because we have processes that are designed to weed people out. But if they get through training and we, we didn't get them, <laughs> we didn't get that wrong person out. Um, then what happens is when they start getting in that disciplinary process, they will leave. They self exit because when you have a very transparent process, like my quality minimums and all these things, when they're singled out and you know, it's very apparent that you're here and the rest of the group's here, they'll blame your system and that's fine. And they'll blame my system and then they, they don't show up. And I'm totally okay with that. And I'm assuming that employee problems and how you handle that is actually part of your culture. It's transparency. We're going to be, it's visible and it's all right from the beginning of the onboarding. So that culture, it seems like that's ingrained right there, that this is how we do things. And it's very, it's cut and dry, uh, black yeah. and white on that. So that, that that's really cool that you do that. And, and that's how you, you tackle that. Uh, one thing I kind of want to hit, I know it really wasn't on the agenda, but I, I, if I remember from one of the quality driven software, uh, uh, talks. I think it was actually in San Diego the first or second year. Um, I don't know if it was you. It might have been even Liz Trotter, but I know uh, one of the one of the people talking there. And man, it is a lineup at the QDS conference. If you haven't been to one, is phenomenal. I mean, I literally was like a little kid in the back of my notepad, uh, just jotting down executable things that I took away. Um, just little nuggets that have changed the way I operate uh, both my businesses. But it was uh, one of them was a theft test where they kind of planted uh, a 20 or $50 bill in a room for the rookie cleaner. And the other one was um, if we're training on like a top to bottom deluxe. And if you're not in the cleaning industry, that's your initial clean before you go your weekly, bi-weekly, three or four week clean. Uh, but that's usually a very detailed clean. And just as it says, it's from top to bottom and usually right to left in a systematic way. But usually that person would go in and model that top to bottom deluxe. And then someone, the trainer would go, well, uh, you know, hey, Susie, that, that area around the tub, right around the grout line needs to be redone. And as you're looking at it, there's nothing wrong with it. But they said they would send them back to reclean something that was perfect to see what their temperament was and how they reacted to criticism. And, hey, we need to go fix that. Did they question it or did they actually go back and figure out, like, they just, you know, they cleaned it out or said, hey, how can I do this better? Because it looks okay, but I know if you're saying it's not okay, there's got to be something I'm missing in this cleaning process. So, um, those were, it, it obviously stuck to me a few years later, but it was very interesting. The, the theft thing, how they're, um, how they you know, ethically, they interacted and then B, how do they adjust to uh, constructive criticism in the first early days? Cause those, I'll, I'll tell you are telltale signs that we actually implemented in the lawn care company in a different way. Um, because it was really easy to tell within the first week, if you send the, right. send the guy to the back corner of the lot, literally behind the shed, like, Hey Dave, you, you, I think you missed the edging around the back of the shed. You know, we didn't. Like if it was like, oh God, I got to go back there right now. Or uh -huh. it was like, okay, yeah, can, I'll, I'll go grab it. No problem. And that was, it was a big, it was a big difference. That was one of the takeaways that I handled. But do you have any tips or tricks around things like that, that um, could be a telltale sign of employee problems before you actually hire them full time? Yeah. So uh, that, that was probably me. Um, although I will say, I give Derek Christian uh, credit for that because he was the one 
that taught me that little attitude thing about making them redo something. Okay. Um, and uh, so it was probably me that said it, but Derek was the first person I heard say it. And I remember just like you, I was like, Oh, I love that. And um, so in, in training, I have six principles in training. And one of those principles I teach our trainers is that their job is not only to teach, you know, the policies and procedures, but it's also to weed out for attitude. And I really talk to them about, um, I don't think they're like as evil as I am because they don't like to do that. And I'm like, listen, it's about protecting your culture. And I'm like, do you want to work with people like that? No. Okay. So that's why this test is in here. And so we absolutely do do that. And we pick the hardest thing that we're going to train them on, which is cleaning a shower. And because, you know, soap scum and it's in the maid service world. So you would pick something that's harder or like tedious or they don't like particularly. Then you say, oh, no, that, that there's problems with that. However you grade it, you would say there's problems with it. I need you to redo it. And when you say that, though, what's really important is it really has to be almost perfect, you know, um, it really has to look good because obviously if there are problems with it and you say redo it, that's a no brainer, but it needs to be good work. And then you say, Nope, I need you to redo it. And in my company, I teach the trainers if there's an eye roll, if there's a, you know, little bit of disgust, they're out. And I mean, they're out. And we may finish the day with them, but whenever it's convenient, we're packing them up and saying, oh, sorry, you didn't make it kind of thing. Um, and we're strict in training. We Here's the way I look at training is I have to set the precedence. And I think in the service industry, um, you know, a lot of people that come to us for a job think, eh, just a you know lawn care job or eh, it's just a house cleaning job and it's my job to change the way they look at it this is I, we expect a high level of professionalism and i have got to set those expectations from the ground floor when they start mm -hmm. and you guys know me i'm very laid back and in fact i suck at cleaning houses because i am not detail oriented um, but am I going to expect a high level during training? I absolutely do. And then actually I almost loosen up when they get out of training because I know people make mistakes, but when they're training, they really have the feeling that, oh my gosh, you know, if, if it's somebody that's in there and going to do a half-ass job, they're not going to make it at our company because they're going to know from day one, no, no, you have to redo that. And um, well, and when you're in training at a new job, you're definitely working harder than you're going to work when no one's watching. Absolutely. Right? You're giving 110% yeah. during training. I know I was a waiter for a long time 
when you're in training and someone's watching your every move and you've just had the rules given to you, like you're much better at following them than what you fall into during the day to day. Right. So if they're half-assing what they're doing when someone's like nitpicking them, they're going to be quarter-assing it in the real, yeah. uh, real world. Yep. Yep. And believe me, I've kept those people in the old days, those people, because in the old days when I cared about bodies, not a players, then what happened is at some point, one of us got sick of each other, you know, six months down the road or whatever. One of us got sick of each other because we were never a good fit in the first place. And then those employees that I let stay because I needed a warm body generally caused me so much trouble. Like I had one that, you know, every one of those teaches you a lesson. And I had one and I, man, I remember her name. I remember her. And when I let her go, she actually, what happened is I subbed for my office manager during her week of vacation. And I was like, who the hell is this person that's working at this company and they need to be gone. And uh, so anyway, and it was before we were watching quality scores because she would not have made it. And when I fired her, she filed a bogus workers comp claim. She filed an unemployment claim and you know, whatever else. And so she, you know, it was a learning lesson. It was like, this is what keeping this person caused. Mm -hmm. And if I would have gotten rid of her in those first few days, which with the system now we sure could, um, you know, she couldn't have done those things. So. Yeah. They say a bad hire is, is actually three to four times their actual salary. I thought it was nuts, but just like you said, Martha, it, there's all the people I didn't fire and I should have, and I just like for the body, warm body, it was either, just like bad karma or just they're being idiots like you, they got an accident and so they damaged a house. I mean, you name it. Like it ended up costing me so much money that I'm like, I got to get rid of this person. Now, if I, if I had done this two weeks before, it would have saved thousands and thousands of right. dollars. I right. think the, uh, the pivotal point um, is we actually had a, a, a salt truck driver in the winter drive one of our dump trucks through the side of a building we didn't even own. And we should have let the guy go about a month before we just needed a warm body to, to literally drive in circles. I have no idea how it happened, but I'm, I'm telling you, like, that was like my final learning, like rip the bandaid off, either coach up or coach out it is going to be expensive. So that was literally within a 24 or 12 hour period. My auto insurance went up $17,000 a year like that. And I was yeah. like, wow, maybe it's actually more than three to four times a bat, you know, there's their salary yeah. higher. If you yeah. added up all the things this guy had broken or, you know, damaged. So right. it's just absolutely crazy. But, you know, we, we've hit on the culture. We've hit on employee problems. Uh, one final question around employee and training. And then I want to really dive in and wrap this up around uh, managing the quality. Because I know that's really where your expertise has really evolved into is um, you talked about training the, the employee or the cleaner. Now, a lot of times, at least in my experience in the early years, I didn't have the right trainer actually in the place. So it was like the person could execute the skills, they could model it, um, but they didn't really know how to train. Yeah. Um, so is there anything around, I guess, training the trainer? And then once you have that quote unquote right trainer there, is there any feedback from the trainee, the new employee to actually give candid feedback? Because a lot of times in the early years, we would find that the, 
trainer was actually taking advantage of the trainee and it really like the, the new hire was probably a good fit, but they were so put off by the trainer that they'd end up quitting before we actually got them in a, a regular rhythm. There was no accountability for that trainer as well. Right, right. So we have um, basically a promotion ladder and people start out as a team member, team lead, then can qualify as a trainer. And to qualify as a trainer, you have to have worked for the company X amount of time. Your quality score has to be above a certain level. And you basically have had to be able to show that you're a competent team leader as well. And then even once somebody qualifies, that doesn't necessarily mean that they can train. And so, cause we have people who are team leads, excellent quality, been there for years, but they're not good at training. Now, typically those same people don't want to train either. Um, but we, and I will be completely honest, we're not as good about it as we should be, especially with me being remote and uh, everybody being remote in my office now. Um, but a trainer will train another like trainer in training. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah makes sense. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, yes, we, you know, we use our quality scores for a lot of things. And uh, one of the things that we use it for is I can sit from a hundred miles away, watch somebody get out of training, watch their quality scores. And you know, what, what is typical is I'll see their quality scores hover a little lower than I would like, but they'll hover there for a week or two at most. And then they start climbing if you've got the right person. If you don't have the right person, they're going to hover at that part and then probably start dropping. And then I know. So when that starts happening, one of two things happened. Either the trainer did not do an adequate job and I'll go back and look at the training logs and I can tell some things from our training logs or if it starts dropping, it could be that we let the person with a poor attitude get out of training and they just simply don't care. And, uh, and so we have to decide what that is, but we have a private group where the trainer is in with management and the trainer has to give us feedback every day on the training. And, you know, I, I, can ask questions back and forth. And then our trainers, we actually have an incentive program where they become their mentors when they get out of training. And so we have a thing where they get a bonus at three months and six months, and it's dependent on their quality scores. It's dependent on, I actually have it tied to getting them to bring this new employee to one of our, um, employee engagement activities. And, and so we just really task the responsibility with that trainer to not only teach them in training, but then through the six months. And I think that six month bonus is $200, but it does include that, you know, 
like the employee is not in any kind of disciplinary system. Their quality scores are above a certain amount and they've attended at least two employee engagement activities on the off hours because we know that and and what that does when you do something like that is then the trainer is going to be like oh no come on ride with me i'll take you know they take <laughs> ownership in that and uh and i don't care how it happens but what i do know is if they develop some friendships at work they are much more likely to be happy and stay at the job. Yeah. And Martha, you keep bringing up quality scores. Now, I kind of an unfair advantage, so I'm going to play stupid to this one. But um, I know it kind of all kind of comes out of quality-driven software, and I think it's, it's really, I think it would be really foolish not to talk about this quickly because uh, quality scores seem to be a major key component of tying in the culture and employee problems, um, and actually good employee things as well. Um, and then engagement with the actual client for satisfaction there. So would you mind just breaking down what a quality score is, how it actually is um, handled through like the surveys and the different things you do versus SMS versus email and how is that kind of calculated? And then how do you kind of tie this all in together um, for, for a complete process? And obviously you've been doing it for years, but um, right. if somebody hasn't ever heard of it, like on a high level, what does that all look like coming together then? Yeah, well, I should say now I did all of this just not to the level that we do now prior to QDS. So we sent out surveys, but the difference is we had to hand pick those scores and put them on Excel spreadsheets. It was very painful. And, uh, you know, it took three to four hours a week, but I drive all my systems around this stuff, you know, my bonuses and everything. Um, so with QDS, I mean, really the, 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 you know, the reason behind QDS is yeah, sure. Client satisfaction and retaining clients by surveying, but it really is about the reports. And I, we get a lot of data on employee performance. And so, you know, it ranks employees and I don't care about the ranking so much. I care about their quality scores. I care about response rates. Um, people hear me talk about response rates. Response rates tell you if you know your norms and you have a team that is significantly lower on a response rate than your norms, I like dive in and we start picking up the phone and calling those cl clients that haven't answered for that team because no news is not good news. And, you know, when clients aren't answering and you know what your norms are, that is a really big indicator on, okay, there could be a problem. And when we did in-person checks, we would go start checking those houses as well. So, um, yeah, so QDS is about that and we can track HR issues. And like you mentioned earlier, I'm pretty excited because we're building out that that disciplinary process that we talked about um, that is all getting built into QDS where it will tell you who's in the green warning level, who's in yellow, who's in red, and that 
report among with the quality scores and stuff will get delivered to all of management. And um, I love it. You know, I mean, that I, I always joke with my friend Megan, who's an accountant. Data is my thing. You know, yours is financials and mine should be more financials. But my data is these numbers, these quality scores. And you, and I think the reason why is it just makes my job so much easier. You know, it's just a non-subjective way to not only manage quality, but it's a pretty darn good indicator of performance overall. And because if you get people who don't care, their quality scores will show it. It, it, it's interesting. I've, I've got to share a little story here. And I, was, I wasn't ignoring, but I was looking down at my phone because I wanted to find it. So as a consumer, first time ever, I don't know if you can see it here, but I actually got, as a consumer, oh, yeah. my first QDS survey um, <laughs> from, my, from my home cleaner. And I was jazzed. I think I texted you. But um, to see that as a consumer was really, really cool. And um, it was personalized. They had the cleaner's name in it. Um, obviously I did the response. Um, but I think you hit on something like if, if something was wrong, I really liked the cleaner I've got, I'd almost feel guilty dinger unless it was really bad. Um, and, and to speak, uh, speak about that kind of like your, 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 uh, remote owner, um, the cleaning company that cleans my house is actually based in upstate New York, but she also has a branch, I believe in either the Carolinas or Atlanta, Georgia. Um, so she, without mentioning names, she can manage, I was talking, she can manage um, quality drops in different data points that are not emotional by looking at these, right. uh, these surveys. So really cool. I've never actually, you know, we've sent them out as a business owner, but I've never actually been on the receiving end to actually see yeah. that. I'm like, and it was immediate pretty much like after the cleaner left within 15, 20 minutes, Hey, how was the, uh, how was the cleaning? I'm like, all right, I gotta get home and check this out now. I gotta, I gotta get some responses <laughs> in. So very, very awesome. Cody, far as wrapping this up, um, I know obviously you got a very condensed schedule, Martha, any questions for Martha or anything else, um, that you want to hit on before, uh, we kind of bring it, you know, bring it to a closer in a few minutes. Hi, Hi Hobie. Hi Jeff. If you guys are still on. I'm so, I'm the sound stop. There we go. I was going to say, I don't, that's not me. Actually, so do you have any other questions for uh, Martha before we wrap it up? Martha, I did have one question about the training process. And I feel like the question might be a little bit irrelevant because of how choosy you guys are about who becomes uh -huh. the trainer. But is there like some kind of system where you're soliciting feedback from the trainees about the trainer? So that is built into our system. Um, it is built into our system and I didn't mention it because I got to tell you it's okay. So I will say that the, I used to use infusion soft and it was built into infusion soft and I never transferred that part over to when I went to service autopilot automations. And when you mentioned it on this thing, I'm like, Oh yeah, we used to do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I gotta admit, and I will say too, though, I the here's the way it goes at our company for the most part. Either they absolutely hate the expectations that we put on them in training, um, and they self-exit in 
the training program or they tend to stay a while. So, you know, we don't go through the number of trainees that we used to thank the Lord, but, uh, but, but yes, that was a good reminder because I'm building that out in Bamboo HR right now. And um, so good to, good to remember. Yeah. Good, good question, Cody. And I'll be watching, maybe wondering what is Callahan doing with the shades on right now? Big, big announcement coming out. If you are a QDS member, oh my gosh, I'm looking for a little sun, fun, and education. So, Martha, uh, rumor has it QDS 2021, Cancun, Mexico, sun, fun, and education, February 24th through the 28th, if and only if you're a QDS member. So, I uh, want to give QDS a quick shout out because I am loving those conferences and uh, have been to all of them. Um, but I believe there's still some spots uh, left, Martha. <laughs> I don't have my shades. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, as you know, we have a good time, sometimes too good of a good time, but the content is awesome too. And uh, that's, you know, where a lot of people have met you, Mike, you know, Jeff McConaughey, Megan Likes. It's, I love getting people from all different industries we're talking service business. We're not talking how to mow lawns or clean a toilet. It's all higher level employee leadership, financials, systems. So, I mean, what could be better than Cancun workshops? We're doing half day workshops at um, this time. You know, we usually run all day, but because it is Cancun, we're going to do half day workshops and then the rest is fun. It's always five o'clock somewhere, Martha. So really Absolutely. appreciate it. I want to say what's up to uh, Hobie Barrett. I've had a great time speaking with in Savannah, Georgia, hanging out uh, him and his wife, Jen, and really just, I mean, not outside of the business part of it. It's just a good relationship building, networking and relationships as far as business and friendships that last for a lifetime. So highly recommended. If you're a QDS user, check it out. There's a few uh, spots left. Great deal. Um, service autopilot is usually always at those events. Scott Howard, myself, um, amongst uh, a lot of time, Jonathan Potoshnik of the Lawn Care Millionaire, as well as co-founder of Service Autopilot. Uh, I get a feeling if uh, things go down, fun John Caldwell probably would be there as well. Um, <laughs> so Martha, really, really want to thank you. Uh, it's been That's way too long. Uh, been enjoying the Fight Club. I don't know what, exactly what the rules of your Fight Club are. Apparently. You can talk about this about Fight Club. Club. Yeah, you can but, talk about Fight Club. But uh, with Michelle and Megan, um, absolutely love those episodes. Just another great thing that you guys are providing um, to the service industry and obviously all the great things you do in the SA ecosystem. So until next week, all SA right. Weekly Talk Show, if uh, we don't see you soon, we'll see you on the sunny beaches of Cancun. Cancun, baby. February 4th, 24th to the 28th at uh, QDS 2021. Until then, uh, we will see you next week. Uh, SA Weekly Talk Show, 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Central. Mike Callahan and Cody Owen. See you guys. See ya. Bye. If you like this show, you might want to check out our resources at www.startsimplegrowth.com. While you're there, enter to win an Estimator chatbot. Mike Callahan is available for private coaching.